0: It's Thursday, December 16th, 2021. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable brought to you by the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, PA, and Allstate Insurance in Westchester, PA. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight, along with my partner, Jim Chet Chesko. Hey, Chet, the Eagles get back to work this week against Washington in what will be a playoff-type atmosphere at the link. The Flyers have won three in a row, although they're losing tonight. Uh, we'll, we're going to talk a bunch of hockey tonight. That's for sure. The Sixers lost again last night to Miami. They're now seventh in the East. Uh, most importantly, did you win the ugly sweater contest? It looks like you're back for a repeat tonight with, uh, well, I don't know if it was as ugly as last night, but it's pretty ugly. Oh, you know, I- plenty to talk about heading into Christmas, my friend. I can't believe we're just nine days away from Christmas. No, I didn't
1: win any awards last night. There are far uglier sweaters than mine, pal. And I did not have this one on last night. You saw what I had. We'll show that again later for people who may have missed it. Uh, I am so not ready for Christmas. The one good thing is my wife does like 98% of the preparing and the holiday shopping and everything. But even that that 2%, percent—meant it stresses me out mentally that I have to do. But at least I have my collection of ugly sweaters because, you know, Bill, Tomorrow is the official ugly sweater day. So I got another one ready to go.
0: Well, and I tell you, you got to stack of them. And, uh, you know, if if you here here's the way I look at it. If you continue to buy sweaters like that, that 2% you're responsible for will work its way down to zero before long. Because <laughs> Jesus, Miss Linda certainly won't want you bringing home any more of that. She puts up with me. It's okay. It's all good. Oh, gee whiz! Well, hey, we have a great guest tonight: and two-time Stanley Cup champion, original expansion flyer, Flyers Hall of Famer, proud Broad Street bully, Joe Watson, joining us, making his first visit to Philly Press Box Radio. And Chad, I'll tell you what: you can't you can't give a big enough um, opening to all the things that Joe Watson has done as part of the Flyers organization.
1: Yeah, full disclosure for our viewers and listeners. We taped our interview with Joe Watson a couple of nights ago, but I can tell you this, it is terrific. Joe is 78 years old, still very sharp, and he's got, as you said, a whole lot going on, and he's just a whole lot of fun to talk to as well. And it's not just going to be fun for old guys like you and me and, you know, people even older than us because Flyers fans of all ages will enjoy listening to Joe. Just, you know, the passion he has, the knowledge of the game, and, of course, the memories of uh, being a two-time Stanley Cup champion. So you and I were good, but Joe was fantastic.
0: Joe was fantastic. I'll tell you what, and I put a little tease out a little bit ago. If uh, Joe is going to tell us, I didn't tell everybody that we already knew, but Joe is going to tell us who his all-time best player is and he's also going to tell us who the four most skilled Flyers have ever been. I thought th- both of those answers, very interesting. We talked for over a half hour with
1: Joe, and uh, we, we, we have like 10 other things that we could have gotten to. We didn't even mention the fact that he was a pretty good baseball player and uh, just so many other things and some other, other memories that he probably could have shared from the 70s. But uh, we're going to have him back again. He was so
0: damn good. Absolutely. 78 years old and uh, you're yeah. young, let's say. Exactly. All right. Hey, Chet, let's talk some Eagles. Uh, the football team comes in on Sunday. Uh, this is huge. Four games to go. Uh, both these teams are six and seven. Uh, the tiebreaker right now goes to Washington. Is they're in the third and final spot, while the Eagles are actually in the fifth spot due to tiebreakers and such. Uh, the Birds have a must-win game right here on Sunday, my friend. Yeah, when
1: you say third spot, you're talking about the third wild card spot because they're certainly not contending for uh, one of the division spots. So yeah, the four division winners go and then three wild card teams as of last year. And right now, as you said, Washington is in, the Eagles are on the outside looking in by a, a couple of uh tiebreaker thingies here's the playoff picture right here so yeah you can see washington has that seventh and final playoff spot the third wild card spot then you got the vikings eagles falcons saints all at six and seven so there's a big jumble right there and of course the eagles do have the advantage over both the falcons and saints because they beat them so the key for the eagles bill they have to win sunday for sure because you know if you lose at home to Washington then you're going to be forced to win your final three games and still may need help and that second game in Washington is down there so this is kind of a must win I think for the birds and we still don't know for sure if Jalen Hurts is going to start they've been splitting the reps this week from what we understand so that that's a little scary that Hurts may not be fully healthy because it is apparently a high ankle sprain they sometimes take a few weeks to heal
0: yeah, and, and if he can't go, you know, I, I I think Gardner Minshew's fine. I think he'll be fine. Uh, I'm not going to say he's better or either one's better, but I, I think he's serviceable, and I think they can win the game. They're going to run the football. It doesn't matter who is playing quarterback or if they're going to be successful, they are. They got away from that against the Giants and lost the game. I mean, they're going to they're going to grind it out. Um, and I think as we sit here for four games left, they need to win three of them. Two of them against Washington, one of them against the Giants. And then if they don't beat Dallas, that might be okay um, to make them nine and eight. Nine right. and eight. So nine might get in. I, I think nine will get in the way it, it's looking too. right now. So um, eight eight and nine is probably not getting in. Not, not going to so, do it. Yeah. So what about COVID? Uh, you know, it looks like the, the, uh, the football team is pretty well loaded up with COVID. I I haven't heard a lot about the Eagles, but um, what's there like a dozen of them? At least a dozen.
1: I heard 17 or 18 players, actually. So, boy, they're going to be really shorthanded. In fact, the line bill, it started at five. The Eagles were favored by five, then went up to seven. It is up to nine and a half or 10. As of today so the odds makers think the eagles should win this one with all the guys who are going to be out for the football team as we call them the eagles i think it's just going to be quez watkins who's uh, on the COVID list right now plus uh, a practice squad guy so the eagles should be heavily favored they should win this game no matter who's quarterbacking and uh, i hope they don't you know let it get to their head like oh we got this one easy when you're six and seven you know you can't take anything for granted
0: yeah. Hey, Dave Yarnell just uh, commented, said it's up to 21 players. Whoa. Uh, you know, I, I wonder at, at some point, do you just have to cancel this game? You know, do you have yeah. to move it to Tuesday or Wednesday or something? If if that's even practical, I don't know if it is or not. But, you you know, even with a 53-man roster, if 21 of them can't play, you're pretty thin. Uh, I don't know if that's doable. You're going to have to go to the, the Chuck Bednarik uh era and have guys playing you
1: know both ways because right. if, if you're short-handed i mean the nfl we talked about this last week the nfl said they're not going to cancel any games if you've got guys with covid you're just going to have to you know go with what you got now when is you know too little number of players just impossible i don't know we may find out this weekend the way it's going because it's only thursday and if you know if they're up to 21 now wow
0: yeah, well, and, you know, it, it's, it's a tough situation because there's a lot of money on the line. For individuals, there's jobs on the line. Sure. You know, if you lose these games, nobody nobody cares if you had COVID and didn't have your players. If you didn't make the playoffs, you get fired. Uh, you know, that, that's not good. And uh, I, I, I hope it doesn't come to that, but it's, it's interesting. I wanted to ask you, too, um, I, I was talking to somebody uh, just a, about an hour ago, they're supposed to go see the concert, uh, it's the uh, Trans-Siberian, Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Trans-Siberian you know? Orchestra, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I guess at the Wells Fargo. And masks are required for everyone mm-hmm. in the in the building. I, I think with the Flyers and the Sixers, that starts on January 3rd. Uh, is there talk of that being the case at the Eagles? Are they going to let everybody come into the Eagles game on Sunday? Um, no masks.
1: I believe that's still the case, uh, no masks, because it's primarily outdoors. Now, if you're doing any kind of indoor uh, eating, then you might be required to wear the mask. But so far, nothing more beyond that for outdoor events like this. But yeah, as, as you said, early January, that all changes.
0: Yeah, and you know, uh, the Flyers are playing in Montreal tonight. And no they're in an empty arena. As uh, today, that rule changed, and the fans were not allowed into that game. Uh, the only flyer I think is Morgan Frost who is out. Yeah. Uh I think there are a couple of Canadians out, but I like, maybe uh Montreal's trying to get a little ahead of the curve and and get uh, you know it's
1: a whole different game when it's an empty arena, that's for sure. See it. And they just announced that uh, between 4.30 and 5 today. I feel badly for anybody who was heading to that game from, you know, a far distance. You know, you're you're driving there and then all of a sudden you hear, uh, you're not allowed in tonight, so sorry. Hey, uh, one other thing about football, uh, we were supposed to have Fred Barnett on. I announced that a few days ago. Fred is actually going to be with us next week. And... A date to be determined. Uh, we may go live Tuesday night, or we will record Tuesday and air the show on Thursday. We're still working all that out, but we will have a show next week. And Fred Barnett will be with us for his annual December visit. Bill, let's let's done get done talking football right now, talk about insurance, and then hockey. We got
0: to give our shout out to our friends over at the Allstate. Uh, and so Chet, we'll start it out as always, because I know this is the time of year that your couches get more mileage than your car. Yeah, you got that right, Bill. And that means uh, we're
1: talking about Allstate. Come on, there it is. All right, yeah. Allstate's pay-as-you-go auto insurance, which puts you in control. You only pay for the miles you drive with the same full coverage that a traditional policy offers. Pay-per-mile insurance gives customers greater control of their insurance costs. See how much you can save with pay-per-mile car insurance by calling your local agent. In Westchester, Pennsylvania, that is Dave LaVoy. Call Dave at 610 430 O seven hundred. Once again, that number, 610-430-0700. And then start to save more because you are driving less. And we're talking hockey, but we're going to play Merle anyway. Come on, Merle. <laughs> Hi, football fans. This is Merrill Reese, and you're listening to Bill and Chet on Philly Press Box Radio. It's good.
0: Yes, it is. Well, hey, Chet, uh, we, you know, we talked about the Flyers. They started off well under new coach Mike Yo. They're winning. Uh, they won three in a row. They were losing last. I checked one nothing tonight. I was watching. Uh just a few games to watch just in time for your January uh, watching. You finally going to get into it now or uh, are they chasing you away? gonna have to win a few more to reel me
1: back in bill a surprising win friday night over the knights out in vegas then a relatively easy win over phoenix the next night then back at the wells fargo center for a route of the devils on tuesday that was nice to see uh not sure how much of it is the coaching change but they certainly have played better um you know over these those three games something they absolutely needed because they got to keep it going out bill because and looking at the standings today, they are still five points out of that final wild card spot in the Eastern Conference. So they got to get it going. One thing in their favor. Uh, they're getting a little healthier and they have a light schedule now only after tonight, three games between this Saturday and the twenty eighth. So guys can get rest
0: and you know get healthier in as we turn the calendar into twenty twenty-two. Yep. And they did pick up a goal, so it is one one now in the middle of the second period. So that's good. But, hey, nice. you. as we mentioned, you and I had a chance to sit down with Flyers legend. I got to say it again. Two-time Stanley Cup champion and Broad Street bully Joe Watson the other night. And it was great. Yeah, not just
1: saying this, but uh, one of the most fun interviews that you and I have done in our seven and a half years of doing this show. If you're a Flyers fan, no matter your age, you will enjoy hearing from Joe. His comments, his knowledge about the game, his sense of humor, and the way he says, Montreal or Montreal. Montreal.
0: (laughs) Montreal. I like
1: that. All right, here we go. Hey, hey, Chet. Hey, Chet,
0: before you hit the go button, we got a bunch of people that are leaving comments, bunch of people listening. How about we get them to type in the comments who they think that Joe Watson said the greatest hockey player of all time is?
1: Yeah, I don't know if anybody will get it right because it's uh, well, not, not going
0: to be the obvious one. So It's not going to be the obvious one. It's not Wayne Gretzky.
1: There you go. All right. So, yeah, type in your comments and uh, listen to Joe. Enjoy. Here we go. We love talking hockey, especially about the Flyers, of course, and we love talking about the old Broad Street Bully era Flyers. And we've got a real good one for you this time. Making his first visit to Philly Press Box Radio is defenseman extraordinaire. He's a two-time Stanley Cup champion. Joe Watson. Hey, Joe, welcome. Oh, welcome. Thanks very much for having me. I'm looking forward to this. We're going to talk about the current Flyers in a bit, but we're going to spend more time talking about you and uh, the old days because, hey, we're all getting up there in age, so why not? Now, we want to talk about your career, parts of 14 seasons in the NHL, 11 of them, of course, with the Flyers. I didn't realize this until I was doing some research over the weekend. When you played your first full NHL season, I know it was with the Bruins. What I didn't know is that you were paired for a while on defense with some other rookie named Bobby Orr. And you guys became great friends too, right?
2: Yeah, we, are, you know, we, we met in training camp in 1965, Boston's training camp in London, Ontario. And I saw this skinny kid and I said, who in the heck, how can this guy be a hockey player? He was about 135 pounds at the time. And you know what he did after camp broke, he, uh, he went back to junior in Oshawa and he bought a rowing machine <laughs> and he rode for, uh, for four or five months, uh, two or three hours a day. And he put on 55 pounds of muscle. When I met him in training camp next year, he was 190 pounds and, and, uh, oh my God. And he, you know, he was bull legged, so he was hard to knock off the puck. He had such great balance. He was very hard to control and i remember our first year full year in boston we lived together and he was he was a cook and i was the chief bottle washer (laughs) and we had a great time we had a five-bedroom home in a little place called little nahant just off of the off of lynn massachusetts and uh uh, we had a great time but only we only spent a year together but it was nice and of course we we bonded and uh, we're still friends today he's come up to my hometown in smithers british columbia to fish and uh Playing my golf tournament up there a couple of times. So that's been nice.
0: Hey, Joe, a lot of people will claim that Bobby Orr is in the top oh two, three, four, five hockey players
2: of all time. You you putting him up there? I put him number one. yeah. Number he one. Revolutionized, he revolutionized hockey, especially on defense. Because in, in the in the early days there was there's nobody rushing a defense one. So the only rushing defense in the whole National League was a guy named Red Kelly who played for Detroit. And I remember he got 20 goals one year, and that was that was a monster season to have 20 goals for when Now you're getting guys scoring goals so frequently. But Orr, Orr came in, and he, he was like, like the galloping gourmet. He'd go up that ice, man. He was going this way, that way. Crazy legs, Hirsch, going in it, 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 this direction, that direction. And guys couldn't catch him, and he was so strong and powerful. But he just changed the complexion of the game. I remember talking to Paul Coffey when Paul Coffey came here and he tried to emulate whatever Orr did. So he asked me, and I told him, I said, well, you know, he never wore socks. And Paul knew that. And uh, he changed his skates every four or five games. He had a new pair of skates. He didn't have any tape on his blade. He had a little bit of maybe one strip on his blade. And uh, and Paul Coffey tried to emulate him. And Paul Coffey did a great job because he was a heck of a defensive too, especially offensive. Hey, Joe, from what I understand, you were
1: not real happy about the Bruins leaving you unprotected in the 67 expansion draft. Is that right?
2: Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. You know, I uh, I was flagging traffic up in British Columbia, uh, traffic, and the guy came by about 10 after 7, and there's three hours difference between the East and West, and uh, he said, I just heard your name in radio. I said, oh, yeah, what'd you hear? He says, well, you just got drafted by Philadelphia, and I had no idea that I was unprotected. Oh. In those days, you're allowed to protect ten players out of the whole organization. Out of forty players they had the organization, I wasn't one that ten protected. The thing about it is, is the year before, I beat a couple of guys out that that were protected. I beat Gary Doak and uh, Dallas Smith for a job, and uh, they were sent to the minors. And that, lo and behold, uh, you know, the next year they don't protect me. And they, and, and and Harry Sinden was a coach, and he called me. He said, Joe. We never thought you'd be the first player taken from our organization. We were going to protect you. And, of course, I was taken, and uh, And they tried to get me back, but the Flyers wanted too much. So, you know, initially I was shocked and upset, but, you know, it turned out to be, be the best thing that ever happened to me. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah.
0: Well, yeah. you ended up being teammates with uh, one Ed Van Imp that uh, I understand that he gave you a nickname. Thundermouth, how did that happen? What is that all about, Joe?
2: Well, you know what, Thundermouth, where I'm from, where I'm from way up in Northern Canada, there are more wild game than there are people. So you've got to yell and scream to get somebody's attention because their people are few and far between. So I think that's where it came from. (laughs) And of course, you got to play with your
1: brother later on in the 70s then, uh, another two-time Stanley Cup champion, five seasons together. Was that something you guys could ever have dreamed of as kids, you know, playing on the same team in the NHL?
2: No, no, we never envisioned something like this. Uh, I can remember when he was drafted, I was going to a wedding. And, and of course, uh, there wasn't a lot of communications in northern British Columbia, and I couldn't get a radio station. Then I found out when I come back from the wedding on Monday morning that the Flyers had drafted him. And I had no idea. They drafted him Saturday afternoon, and they couldn't get a hold of me, so I never found out till Monday morning. But, and then he, and then Brother Jim says, well, Joe, I want you to represent me. I says, okay. <laughs> so I was his player, agent. So I negotiated a three-year deal for him, and I was making $33,000 at the time, I think. And I negotiated a contract. He was making more than I was for God. His first year in the National <laughs> League. I got him a $35,000 deal. But my contract was up the following year, so then I did well for myself. But prior to that, he was making more money than I was, and I'd been in the league four or five years. Not a lot of people could say they might have played with their brother, never won Stanley Cups. And uh, we were the fourth brother combination, I think, ever to win a Stanley Cup. Do you and Jim still talk about this to this day? Like pinch pinch (laughs) each other? Like how the heck did this happen? Yeah, we did a card show last week. We're discussing it. Uh, We're out in King of Prussia. There was a card show in King of Prussia. And uh, Pete Rose was there. But we were talking about it, uh, Jimmy and I. And We still talk. We only live five minutes apart from one another. And of course he has an ice rink in Aston ice works, very successful rink, very successful business, but we still discussed a lot of things that happened in our career. And especially in Philadelphia, when we won, you know, we had great leadership. I mean, the, the management was uh, wonderful as well as, you know, we had one of the greatest leaders in all the sports at the time with Bob Clark, you know, being a diabetic and everything else and seeing all the things he had to go through. It's amazing. You know, how he survived and how, how long he played and how hard he played how hard he played. I remember one game in particular, we're in the playoffs in in Minnesota and went into overtime and and the building was hot and I was worn out. I was sitting next to him and he he had some glucose. He was sucking on this glucose. I said, well, let me try that. I said, holy mackerel, I could never take glucose. I don't know how you did this, but it was very sweet and everything else. But he went through a lot and his results were amazing. Uh, Clarky. they really were
1: well he was a great leader and your coach was rather uh an intriguing guy freddie the fog Cheryl. eight years with the flyers he was there till 78 as you were how strange was he we hear stories about it you know give me a fred cheryl story well
2: okay we beat the rangers in 74 beat the rangers a seven game series it was a real physical series oh yeah and boston beat chicago four or five i think they beat them in five games or something so they had eight days prepared to play the, the Rangers. They thought they're going to play the Rangers for the Stanley Cup. Well, lo and behold, we end up beating them. So we had one day off, one day off to prepare. We we won on a Sunday afternoon. We had to go to Boston Monday to open up Tuesday, and uh, we get to Boston on uh, Monday afternoon. I pick up the Boston Globe, and I just read this headline: "This is anticlimactic. We just beat a better team to get the finals that we're going to play for the finals of Stanley Cup." And I said. Who the hell made that statement? It was Freddie Sure. I said, Freddie, what are you talking about? He's Joe, We haven't beat them in seven years in their building. We haven't beaten them in this building in seven years. We're not going to show any respect. We're going to revert use the old reverse psychology and what we're going to do, we're going to shoot the, or, the puck in Orr's corner, whenever we get it and make him go back and get it, make him exert some energy because he plays 40, 45 minutes a, a game sometimes. And uh, so what we did, we shot the puck in his corner and every time he touched the puck, we got in his way. We prevent, try to prevent him from coming up the ice because he needs a lot of open space to get wound up. Once he gets wound up, he's okay. So we would get on him before he could get wound up, and he was playing 40 minutes a game, 45, and uh, so we were on him all the time. And the Billings were warm and everything else. And they eventually, Ferdy says we might not show it in the first three or four game, but eventually it will show. And I uh, remember when we beat them one nothing, and uh, and there's there's medical rooms adjacent to uh, adjacent to our uh, our dressing room. And uh and I and I went to a trainer and says, listen, go get or tell him to come on in this room. This is when we had the cup, you know, and uh and so I brought the cup in there with me. And of course, I was drinking beer, not champagne. So uh (laughs) uh he came in there and he says, You guys wore me out. He says, Well, that was the strategy, that was Freddie Shield's strategy. He says, this is the way we're gonna beat this team and this is what we gotta do. And of course, his favorite saying, When the day walk together forever will go down and, and go down in the history of the annals of sports for for forever. And it was his saying that came up with that, and it's true. I mean, we're still together today. We have we have about 14 or 15 guys that played in the Stanley Cup team, still live in Philadelphia. So yeah. that says a lot about the area and, and the players themselves. Hey, Joe, what did you think when
0: you, you come to the Flyers uh, in the expansion? You get in the playoffs early on against the Blues, and you guys kind of got beat up a little bit. Mr. Snyder yeah. said this is never going to happen again. Yeah. Uh, what, did, what did a veteran defenseman think? when all of a sudden Dave Schultz is on your roster, Don Seleski, Bob Kelly, the bullies are being formed. What,
2: what was it like to be sitting there wondering what in the world is going on here? Seattle's <laughs> <laughs> of hockey. Well, you know, the, uh, the, the Flyers were a different team than other, ta- uh, other teams. And Mr. Snyder vowed it would never happen to a Flyers game. And I'm glad he said that. And, uh, and, and that was after the series against St. Louis, because St. Louis, it was a real, very, very physical series. And, and, uh, they beat us in seven games in our building the only reason they beat us because they were more physical than the, than we were and we had a lot of small guys but good players but just too small and we couldn't take the physical abuse that we got on the and, uh, mr snyder said this would never happen again he told his scouts general manager and the coach that he wanted a bigger team and that could play hockey as well as take care of things on the ice when things got out of hand and and i thought this was great uh, mr snyder believes in us and it, and i said to myself yeah the only thing he thinks we need is is toughness. And uh, he was kind of right because I went out and drafted some good young players and uh, the players came into their own and uh, they came into their own at the right time. You look at Dave Schultz, you know, everybody thought he could fight. Well, he could fight, but he could score goals. He had two years, two years, he got 20 goals. He got 20 goals. And for a guy being in his position, what he had to do, out go out there and bang every night and, and take care of things on the ice. You know, it's quite an accomplishment by him to, get 20 goals it really was i remember him scoring hat tricks in back-to-back weeks Two
1: thursday night games he had hat tricks in back-to-back yeah. weeks unbelievable um yeah. you know you mentioned how many guys still live in the philadelphia area 15 or more from that era does it yeah. surprise you at all how much love fans still have for the
2: broad street bully era flyers you know what god it's a great question because you know i just spoke at a function last night and these people they're they're you know, like I'm up an age, I'm 78, and these people are in their 60s, 65, 66, and they can remember where they were when the Flyers won their first Stanley. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. They weren't even at the game, but they can remember where they were. But it's nice to be recognized uh for accomplishments that we did as a team, not as individuals. I mean, we weren't as talented as Boston. Boston had 10 or 12 so-called superstars. We had maybe two or three, but it goes to show you what hard work and and perseverance and uh Good coaching can do to a team disrupt their team so much that we win, that we win a cup. And then the second year we win, we knew we we're going to win and beat Buffalo in '75. Cause we we're just that good. We were cocky. And then the third year we go against Montreal. Now, if we hadn't lost Perron and McLeish, yeah. we would have made it very, very close because of every game, every game was by one goal with exception of the last one. They got an open net goal, but every game was so close. We just you know, and we had Wayne Stevenson. He was our goalie, and and, and Wayne was not Bernie. But he mind you, he, Wayne played very well first. But when the time came, uh, time came, uh, he just had trouble with Montreal. I remember Lafleur scored the winning goal in the second game, two to one, for a, a shot in the blue line—a wrist shot that he missed. And then Guy Lapointe, I remember, scored the first goal, uh, the, the the fourth goal in the first game in, in Montreal, right along the ice at a at a bad angle, and. And uh, I thought, oh boy, this is not going to bode well for us if goals like that go in. But it didn't. But we kept it very close. And then they had a guy named Pierre Bouchard, hadn't scored a goal all year, and I think he got two goals in that series. But in a way, we kept it close. But we're just we were beat up. We were beat up and worn out, you know. And uh, so that was the end of our our year as far as winning the Stanley Cups. Even though we 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 went to the semifinal, quarterfinals, I think the next year. But Boston, I remember Boston beat us out. And it was downhill from there. Nothing lasts forever.
0: That's right. Well, a memory lasts forever. 45 years ago next month in January, the Red Army decided they were going to come into the spectrum. Uh, (laughs) The only time that the entire NHL was rooting for the Flyers uh, and Joe Watson scores a shorty. (laughs) Yep.
1: (laughs) Yep.
2: yeah well you know what uh go to show you they never know what to expect for god's sake and i think the russians they were not aware of me out there <laughs> they didn't pay attention but i remember in the second period of the shorthand situation and oris made a pass to uh don celeste he took a shot and you know the thing the reason we we scored that that goal is because he kept it low if he had to put it up high he would have blocked it with his glovers blocker anything out but he he shot it right off his pad and of course he makes a save and the puck comes out to me, Spurts out to me and I just happen to be at the right place at the right time. And in it goes. And, and, uh, and then if you watch me try to jump, it goes, I prove one thing. <laughs> white man can't jump. i maybe but jumped about two inches off the ice.
1: But I'll tell <laughs> but you, you look, you look pretty huh? speedy going after that puck for that yeah, on the rebound. You look pretty fast. All of a sudden <laughs> I did, or maybe they <laughs> look slow. I don't know.
2: I've had so many people they they thought they they remember where they were when we played the Russians and we beat the Russians. They remember me scoring a short on a goal. Like last night I was at this function and, uh, people asked me, well, by goal, I says, "Well, that was 45 years ago, but. Oh, we remember, we remember, Joe. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. You played with so many legends back
1: then. I mean, Clark, Barber, Leach, Schultz, uh, the Big Bird, the, the great, the late great Rick McLeish, Moose Dupont, and of course the guy in goal, Bernie Perron, who probably could have run for mayor at any point over the last 45 years and won in Philadelphia. He's still as popular as ever. Uh, tell me about Bernie and how... Did he make your job easier, or did you make his job easier in the mid-70s?
2: You know, know, Bernie had his trouble when he first came here in 67. They traded him after three years. And then they bought Jacques Plante in. Jacques Plante was a goal hitter for the Montreal Canadiens, and he'd retired. And they bought him in as a coach. And, And Jacques was very good at angles. So Jacques would be out there on the ice with Bernie with rope on the ice. And Bernie wasn't allowed to go across this rope. He wasn't allowed to go inside or outside. He had to stay within the confines of the rope. And those are the angles. Those are the angle shots. And Jacques was very good at that, and that helped Bernie. could I met Bernie in 1963 when I was playing for Minneapolis in the Central Professional Hockey League. And we had two injuries. We had Cesar Maniego, and another, and George. I forget George's last name. Both goalies got hurt, so we needed a goalie. And of course, our team was uh, was part of the Boston organization, and Bernie was playing for Niagara Falls. So they bought him up for two games, and Bernie was 18 at the time. We won both games. He was our goal. We won both games. So that's when I got to know Bernie and we became good friends. And he came up to my hometown in 1967 and, and shot a black bear and he was proud as a peacock. He drove around <laughs> my hometown for three days with this goddamn bear in the, the hood of this car and dry blood and everything else. He had the dogs <laughs> and everybody following, but he was proud as a peacock, but that was Bernie, the great, the, the, the hunter. Yeah. But Bernie was, uh, exceptional goaltender as far as uh, angles he was very good at angles and yeah. he could place a puck wherever he wanted to when a guy's coming to take a shot uh he could place the puck in this direction or that direction uh just by playing the angles very well and i never forget the for first three minutes left in the game against boston and kenny hodge comes down a big kenny hodge a big right winger he could shoot the puck oh, 100 miles an hour and bernie he got bernie got his toe out in this save if he doesn't get us two out there far enough, I mean, the pucks in the net, now we're now we're one all. But Bernie made the save, and then I knew that we we're going to win the cup after that big save. That was an incredible save he made.
0: Well, Joe, Bobby Clark has said uh, uh, many, many times that uh, we could have done without anybody except Bernie Perron. Do you you buy into
2: that as well? Yeah, I, I agree with that. I agree with that 100%. And I don't think we could have done well with, if we didn't have Clark either. You know, Clark and even McLeish. It's proved in 76, 70, when we went for our third cup in 76, we didn't have McLeish. McLeish was, a, was a, a a guy that played very well against Montreal and scored a lot of goals against Montreal. We just missed him so much. And of course, Bernie, we didn't have in the whole playoffs, but McLeish was out since February that year. And, and we did very well, but we just couldn't get by Montreal. And I remember Montreal was a loaded team. They had, so, and they went on to win four Stanley Cups after that.
1: Yeah. So you mentioned you're 78. Now, a lot of other guys your age and a little younger even have stopped playing in the alumni games. I know Clarky doesn't do them anymore. I think Hound Kelly said he's done now. You talked to the, the Athletic last month and you said you're going to
2: keep playing as long as they'll have you. Well, you know <laughs> what? I shouldn't have spoke. spoke because, uh, I was I was you know, we had this game three weeks ago in the building. Yeah, And uh, I played in that game and I played a game on Sunday afternoon up in Lancaster <laughs> and it was tough. And then I had to play this game Monday night and I'm, and uh, I was worn out. I was tired. I was tired. And the next morning I got up and there's a friend of mine who has a Buffalo farm out in Kennett square. I went out and helped him for, for a couple hours after the game Monday night. And I was so darn worn out. My God, you know what? And I often think back, you know, I don't know if I want to play anymore or not. I'm 78 now. I never wore a helmet in my life. I don't know if I want to take a chance anymore but we'll see but right now I don't think I have I, my tendency is not to play anymore.
1: One uh, follow up uh, 10 years ago in fact it was 10 years ago this new year's eve there was the outdoor alumni game boy yeah. that was so much fun to watch you and yeah. Jimmy out there together and yeah. Bernie and in the nets you know for a while made the stop yeah. and run Duguay. how much fun was that afternoon
2: oh that was fun especially after the game we had a big party that I was bet fun. you did. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it really was fun. I remember Bernie was supposed to play 10 minutes. And Ron Duguay, I, I thought I knew Ronnie pretty good. So I come and I asked Ronnie after the game, I said, Ronnie, did you want to score? He says, if I had scored in Bernie, I probably would have got shot for Christ. And 47,000 people, so I shot it right into his pants. So it made Bernie feel good. And then Bernie rushed off the ice right after that. And he, just, he took off for of the bench, and they were coming down the ice. And here he skates off to of the bench, for God's sake. And he was gone. That was it. <laughs> but it was funnier in hell. It was a good time. It really was. Well, hey, let's jump over to the current
0: day Flyers for just a second. Joe, uh, they're scuffling a little bit. They got to now have a new coach. They've won two in a row. Do you see a bright side? Can they get back in this thing?
2: Well, you know what? Twice in the 50 years of the flyer, 54 years of the flyer, whatever it is, that they've they've had 10 game losing streaks and have come back and made the playoffs. So maybe this will be the third time we can do that. I think they have the right guy in the coach right now. I think that I can see that he's changed the system around a little bit. I think they're forcing the issue a little bit more. Mind you, they still have problems in their own zone. They got to get that rectified. If they don't get the least amount of time you spend in your defensive zone, the better off you're gonna be. And it seems they it seems like they spend a lot of time in their zone sometimes, having trouble getting the puck out. And I think if they can rectify that, you know, with good goaltending, Carter Hart and the other guys played well too, you know. But Carter Hart is their salvation. And if Carter Hart can play a lot of games and they can get in the swing of things and, and play good defense in their defensive zone, you know, they, they could come on and, and, and do something and hopefully do some damage and make the playoffs. But I just see a change in the attitude of the Flyers. They're more aggressive uh, to the puck and everything else. And they're forcing the issues and hopefully that can continue. And uh, I think with this coach, he's trying to implement a system that's going to be beneficial to the team and hopefully it'll work out.
0: Hey Joe, social media is is not certainly everybody's friend. And uh Claude Giroux takes a beating on social media. Uh, I, I've I'm a big Claude Giroux fan myself. Yeah. I think he uh yeah. he deserves far more credit than he gets from from the fan base. What what's your take on Giroux and his uh his numbers are gonna end up right at the top of Flyers history, right up there with Bobby Clark?
2: Yeah. Well, you know what? I, I think the Flyer fans are used to a leader that's vocal. And Claude's the type of guy, he's kind of a quiet guy, Doesn't he's not very vocal. He doesn't get out and say a lot of things, unfortunately, because he is a skilled player. When I look at the Flyers, I've seen the Flyers for 54 years, and there's only four guys. The most four skilled guys the Flyers have ever had are Drew, McLeish, Lindros, and Forsberg. And I put Drew right up there with those other three guys. And he's very skilled, very smart player. He doesn't get the credit. You know why he doesn't get the credit? He doesn't speak out. he's uh i don't know if you know you you, when you're a coach when you're a player when you're a captain you got to voice your opinion sometimes about this and that and everything else about we could have done better in this area we could have done better in that area you can't recall the players out but he's a he's a fine player and a skilled player and everything else and uh and uh he he hates to lose you can just see the expressions on his face when you watch him on the bench on the ice sometimes and the puck goes to the net he really cares it's just that he doesn't show it an emotion sometimes. Like, come to the bench and take your stick and whack the stick over the boards or on the boards or something like that, get the players all wound up. He's not that type of player. And uh, sometimes you have to be that type of player to, to get your message across to the other players in the team.
1: Hey, Joe, I want to take you back again to your playing days. You mentioned you weren't a big scorer. You had, I think, 38 regular season goals, three playoff goals, and then, of course, the one against the Red Army. Any other goals of yours that stood out during your 14-year career?
2: Yes. My very first goal in the National League was against Montreal in Montreal, and it was on national television. Now, I'm from the remote area of British Columbia. In those days, they had television, but it was all all canned television. So when I scored my first goal in the National League, I scored my first goal before Bobby Orr did. Of course, he went on to score about (laughs) 600, and I scored about 40, like you mentioned. But – I scored on a Saturday night and we got beat two to one in Montreal on a Gump Wardsley in the second period. And I still have the puck today. And of course, being in British Columbia, where the Northern regions, again, it was all canned television. So they got to see my goal a week later, my parents. So they knew when it was coming and everything else. So, so that really sticks out as far as, uh, as far as coupling something. And then of course the Russian game and then the first Stanley cup, being the last guy to touch the puck when we won our first Stanley Cup. Oh, yeah. Ice. And then Terry Chris jumped off the bench. I think he played about four or five shifts. He jumps off the bench and grabs the puck. And he still has the puck today. He still has the puck today, for God's sake. The Hall of Fame won it, but he won't give it up. And I don't blame him. I wouldn't give it up either. You know, first expansion team to win the Cup. He wouldn't give it up, so I don't blame him. Yeah.
1: By the way, I should mention, you had 214 points in your career regular season. That's like one season for Wayne Gretzky. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. Oh boy. Oh boy. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Holy mackerel. But you so, know what? My job wasn't to score. Exactly. Prevent them, prevent them you know, and you I know wasn't a fast skater, but I understood the game and I knew how to play the game. And I, I, I read situations anticipated the plays. And I think in order to be an defense, you got to anticipate the play before they happen. And, you know, a Ford can make a mistake. All all areas of the rink, and 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 it's not magnified. But when a defensive makes a mistake, it's a it's a mag, it's magnified many times over. So you got to read situations and try to play your position well and anticipate. And if you can't do that, then you're in trouble. And I was pretty good at that.
0: Well, Joe, uh, we know that the Broad Street Bullies and you included are uh, Philadelphia legends to this day. Uh, what's it like in Smithers uh, for Joe and Jim Watson?
2: Well, you know, we're just common ordinary folk up there, man. There, uh, you know, if you look at the little town of Smithers, B.C., we have eight or nine guys from that area played in the National Hockey League. Can wow. you imagine that? I left home in 1960. There was 800 people living in that town. Now there's about four or five thousand people. But you got Ronnie Flockhart, Rob Flockhart played, you know, Flocky hockey, played for mm-hmm. the Flyers. We got Alan Kerr who played for the Islanders. We got Brian Spinner Spencer, who played for a number of teams. So it says a lot boat says a lot about a little town called Smithers, British Columbia produced all these players uh, from an area such as that really was. And uh, so it was very gratifying to become from a little area of Smithers. And, uh, and uh, we got some recognition, but we're, we're just like the common, ordinary folk up there. They don't, they don't think us as I think we do get, we do get a lot of respect, but uh, we're just ordinary folk.
1: Joe, final question for me i know you're uh, occasionally helping your grandson learn how to skate what else do you do with your your time and uh, by the way thank you to your wife for all her technical skills in helping us get this together tonight
2: well i'm glad she did too i'm really glad god yeah but well you know you can only play so much golf so now i gotta find a lot of other things to do now because i don't I, you know can't golf in the winter time obviously but i did play a lot of golf this year i'm doing i got some speaking appearances i'm doing appearances I got a couple more appearance to do to speak at functions and, uh, for some, a couple companies. And, uh, so I go do a good motivational talk. I talk about my life as a young boy growing up and mm-hmm. becoming a professional athlete and things, you know, I've accomplished in my life and so on and so forth. So it's, it's nice. I like to get out there and, and give my message, leave my message for people. And, and it's growing, it's growing. I'm getting more and more appearance all the time, which is nice. I'm going to take my grandson skating this Saturday at, at Jimmy's rink over in Aspen, Iceworks in nice. Aston, Pennsylvania. <laughs> we're going to go there and skate but my grandson thinks he can skate he's six years old but he doesn't do his feet i said watson you never his name is watson watson riley first oh. name is watson Isn't that okay. nice so in a way uh watson said to me there the other day he says pop up i know how to skate i said well you don't because all you do is glide." he says i know how to skate pop up so that's what he said <laughs> kind of a cocky little kid but he's a funny kid he's funny
0: yeah. <laughs> well, well, Joe, I just have one final comment, not not yeah. necessarily a question, but I just wanted to say as a as a 15 year old, 16 year old, when the Stanley Cups were being won and, and living in the Philadelphia area, there was nothing like it. And certainly appreciate what you guys did then and what you've done for all these years of, of staying in the neighborhood and, uh, and and being what you guys are to the Philadelphia fan base.
2: Well, I really appreciate those remarks because you know we love it here. It's a big city yet it's a small city. You can find your way around rather easily. But I enjoy I enjoy the area immensely. I got a lot of fine friends here, and uh, kind of I've, I've been here since I left home in 1960. And I used to go I go back home in the summer for two or three weeks. But Philadelphia is my home now, and I've been here many many years, and I really enjoy it here. And uh, and, and I love I love meeting fans that are hockey fans, particular Flyer fans. Of course, they can remember where they were when the where they were when the Flyers won their first Stanley yep. Cup. Absolutely, Joe. This yeah. was a blast. Thanks so much.
1: Let's make it an annual event. How about that? I love this.
0: Well, Chet, does it get much better than that on Philly Press Box Radio? That that was pretty darn good. Yeah, I
1: got to say, even though you and I did the interview and then I edited, adding a whole bunch of pictures, I had a blast just watching it again. So, thank Me you. Too. That was great. <laughs>
0: Me too. Good good <laughs> stuff. And, uh, you know, and you can't say enough about the Broad Street Bullies. They're, they're still, you know, they are as popular yeah. today, they're maybe more popular today. Oh, uh, yeah. When they do signings like, and whatnot, people always show up in on mass. Yeah. Well, and like you said, he said, uh, Joe and Jimmy were just the king of Prussia the other weekend yeah. uh, and had a great turnout. So thanks to Joe for taking the time to do us, and uh, good stuff, man. Mm-hmm. All right, Chet, let's give a shout out to all the shows that will be live on the Edge of Philly Sports Network this week, including this one. Uh, this episode being streamed live across Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Twitch. You can also catch all www.eopsports.com. Please tell by hitting those subscribe, follow, and like buttons. And as always, share with your family and friends. In addition to this great show, check out our partners in Philly Sports, including the Broad Street Bully Podcast. Jeff, Drew, and Doyle can be heard Monday mornings at 9 a.m. talking all things Flyers. Edge of Philly Sports Live. Join Joe, Freddie, and Big Al as they cover four for four and so much more Philly sports. They're live every Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Eastern time. Check out Birds IQ with Kyle and Eric Quinn. They're live Thursday nights at 7 p.m. talking all things Birds. The Patterson Avenue Fanatics every Saturday at 9 a.m. Wake up and have breakfast with the gang, TK, Marks, James, Dave, Paul, and Damon, and get your Philly sports talk on. Network has added a couple podcasts. The Monday Mailbag with Joey Sharon on Monday afternoons, and Fridays with Freddie, with Freddie Burns. Check them out also. If you miss any of them, they're available on podcasts on all the major platforms, and also... You can uh, get the EOP newsletter delivered to your mailbox on Fridays uh, just by signing up. Go to EOPsports.com. Hey, Hey, Joe. Yeah, what? Go ahead. There's a couple of trips coming up over the holidays. Well, (laughs) there you go. I was just going to say that. Uh, I wanted to
1: mention what Philly Sports Trips has going on. They got like three things going on in the next couple of weeks, including one this coming Sunday. That is a bird's tailgate this Sunday before the Eagles beat up on the Washington football team. So check with these guys. It's They do it now in cooperation with 97.5, the Fanatic, too. So you might see some people from 97.5. Yeah, Devon Gibbons and Derek Dunn, as a matter of fact. Other times, you know, get some other guests showing up. And uh, that, that's a great thing. And then later on this month, right before the end of the year, they have a trip up to Brooklyn to watch the Sixers and Nets. You can leave from, you know, one of the South Philly stadium spots. You get a, an upper-level group ticket for the Sixers and Nets. And, boy, they always have great food, uh, food and beverages on these uh, tailgates and bus trips as well. So check for pricing on that. And then you can start the year off with a trip down to uh, Maryland, I guess, is where they play. The Birds and the Washington football team in what could be a huge game. January 2nd, round-trip charter buses leaving again from South Philly Stadiums. Oh, man, this is going to be great. Uh, take out all sorts of things going on, food, drink, a DJ, and it's all unlimited. 299 bucks includes your bus uh, trip ticket and the ticket for the game and all the food and beverage. So that is a great deal phillysportstrips.com. Check them out. I've used them last year, was up on the trip to Yankee Stadium, and they are great. Philly Sports Trips. Check them out. All right.
0: Good stuff. You think Joel Embiid will be at that game? You just never know. (laughs) (laughs) He's day-to-day for the rest of his career, Bill. Oh, absolutely. Hey, by the way, uh, Flyers 2, Canadians 1 after 2. Nets 66, Sixers 48 at the half. (sighs) Not good. Okay. Hey, Chet. Uh, whew, we can't run out of time without making our fearless NFC East predictions, but uh, first, how'd we do last week? Well, nice job by both you and Boop last week, Bill.
1: A perfect 4-0. and oh. I took Carolina to beat Atlanta. That didn't happen, so I was 3-1. and one. The season standings now have Boop taking over the top spot. He's at 36-21. and 21. I am now one game behind, and you remain just three games behind Boop.
0: It's time. It's time. Here we go. Time to make the move. All right. Well, Boop will be up first tonight. Then you, then me. So here we go. Uh, we've added a couple throw-in games this week. Uh, Tennessee at Pittsburgh. The Titans are minus two. Uh, Monday Night Football, Minnesota at Chicago. Vikings are minus three and a half. New England at Indianapolis. This is the best game of the week right here. Yeah. They flexed it to Saturday night. Colts are minus two and a half which is interesting considering New England's in first place and the Colts are fighting for a playoff spot. Yep. Uh, Dallas travels to play the Giants. The Cowboys are minus 10 and a half. The Eagles host the football team, as we said when I wrote this. The Eagles were minus seven. You said it's higher than that now. So yeah. some interesting lines on these games, I think. Yeah,
1: nine and a half or 10, by the way, the Eagles are favored now because of all the COVID problems for Washington. But uh, let's get to the picks.
0: All right. Who's boop like Tennessee at Pittsburgh Titans minus two?
1: Well, let's see. As a, you know, I mentioned this every week. I don't look at what Boop wrote uh, in his email beforehand. So, uh, Titans and Steelers. That tie with the Lions really seemed to take the wind out of the Steelers' sails. Tennessee is coming off a shutout, albeit the Jaguars, and are the only team to hold the Chiefs to single digits in their last 67 regular season games. His pick is the Titans. He says lay at least the two points, probably more. So, he likes Tennessee to beat Pittsburgh and so do I. We both pick the Titans. How about you, Bill?
0: I'm going to go with Pittsburgh at home. Ooh. Uh, I, I, and I don't even really know why, but I'm going to just go with it. I got okay. no real reason. Next, Minnesota at Chicago Vikings minus three and a half.
1: Boop says Chicago is two and zero against the Lions and two and nine against everybody else. His pick is therefore the Vikings. Of course, they're fighting for a playoff spot too. He also likes the Vikings over, if you want to bet. Minnesota hasn't scored less than 26 points since Halloween. The Bears allowed 45 last week for the first time since 2015, but he likes the Vikings, and, yeah, they're they're in the playoff hunt. I got to go with Minnesota as well.
0: I am going with Minnesota as well. Mm -hmm. New England at Indianapolis Saturday night football. Colts minus 2.5. Boop says since October 1st, Tennessee
1: has lost three times twice in overtime and another to the defending Super Bowl champions. This has AFC semifinal written all over it. His pick, well, he wrote down the Titans, but I <laughs> I know he means because I can see what else he wrote here. Uh That was a mistake. He wrote down, one a bet I might try to middle this one, also taking the favorite Colts on the money line. So, yeah, he likes Indianapolis to win this one and the underdog Patriots with the points, even though it's only two and a half. So he wants Indy with the money line. I'm taking New England. They have been red hot, and they play great on the road. So there's our at least one different this week. I'm taking uh, New England on the
0: road. Well, and I'm taking the Colts because I'll tell you what, Jet, you watch the Colts play, it's like watching the Eagles play. They run the football. They dominate the ground. Jonathan Taylor is as good a back as in the league right now. Trent, or Trent, uh, (laughs) that was Freudian slip. Carson Wentz, not Trent Dilfer, (laughs) Carson Wentz is playing Gilson. really well so, and has um, been see i gotta root against the colts simply
1: because you know the more losses they have the better draft pick the eagles get because they will get the uh, colts pick now because uh wentz will go over the 70 percent threshold so uh you want to see the colts lose a few if you want the eagles to get a higher draft pick from that that pick
0: yeah colts are playing good ball though yeah we'll they are that that's goes. a good game all right dallas travels to the giants cowboys minus 10 and a half uh, Giants are good. Yeah. Boop says despite the near hiccup near the end of the game
1: Sunday, it still looks like Dallas will sweep the NFC East with nary a scratch. The pick, obviously, then Dallas. He's still waiting on that Ezekiel Elliott return to 100 yard form game. Give it another go here. He has four of them in nine career games against the Giants. Hmm, you never know. He likes Dallas. He likes Zeke. I like Dallas as well. The Giants suck.
0: Uh, I don't like Dallas, but I'll take them to win this game. And I don't like Zeke either. So, uh, but I'll take Dallas will win this game. All right. All right. Eagles, Redskins, or football team. Oh, there you go. Eagles, sorry. <laughs> I do a better job not saying 25's name than know. I know. I know.
1: Uh,
0: Eagles minus whatever we want to call it. How do you like this Boop says both
1: of these teams are the same kind of a six and seven for a reason. Either team's Jekyll or Hyde versions could show up. His pick is the Eagles, if only because they are home where they have a one-game winning streak. And, of course, there's the COVID thing, too, so I'm sure that plays into it. Uh, Boop says, want to bet? The margin between the two is razor thin, so the birds laying when he wrote this, it was five. He said, it seems like a lot. Now, as I said, it's up to nine and a half or 10 because of the COVID. So uh, he emailed this uh, Tuesday morning, I think, or Tuesday afternoon. Um, bet the Eagles on the money line and take the points with the Redskins. But see, I don't know if this applies anymore because of everything that's changed in the last couple of days. But anyway, even up, he likes the Eagles. So do I. I think the Eagles win and cover the 10-point spread that some odds makers have it at. So I think the Eagles in a romp, I don't care who's quarterbacking.
0: Yeah, I, I like the Eagles, too, and I don't care who's quarterbacking either because the Redskins don't have a quarterback either. So, yep. COVID or not, they got they got quarterback problems. And uh, run the football. Hopefully, uh, Nick Sirianni's listening. Run the football.
1: Hey, if you want more from Boop, check out the website that he contributes to, com for all kinds of betting info. And even more on his Twitter page, and that is at BoopStats, at Boop Stats. Thank you, Bob Vitron.
0: All right. Hey, great guest tonight in Joe Watson, as you said. Uh, scheduled date and time a little up in there for next week. <laughs> Fred Barnett is coming to the press box radio. Yeah, we do have Fred
1: Barnett lined up. Uh, we're either going to do the show live Tuesday night or we're going to record Fred Tuesday and play it back perhaps on Thursday. We're still working out the details, but we will definitely have Fred Barnett. He confirmed for sure today. So next week, we're going to talk Fred Barnett and uh, maybe sing some Christmas duets, Bill, you and me.
0: Uh, no, because if I say that, you'll probably show up in one of those sweaters.
1: Oh, I'm wearing a sweater for sure.
0: I'm wearing the sweaters right up until Christmas this year. Oh, come on. <laughs> he was. All right, let's take another quick break and thank our friends at the PPCC 118 razz room they post great sports memorabilia on their facebook page so people can take a chance of winning something they may not be able to afford or have access to all items come with certificates of authenticity they continue to run out great autograph memorabilia from all the philly teams and more they have small line razzes and give it better odds of winning who doesn't like to win they're also up to day 16 of their 25 days of christmas mystery boxes through christmas day Check out their Facebook page, like it, or follow it. It's PPCC 118 razroom That's right, PPCC 118 razroom on Facebook. Okay. Mr. Chesco, do you have a parting shot? Because we have run out of our hour almost. You know, I don't
1: have a full parting shot, but since we were talking about the sweaters, uh, you know, I was at the Irish Rover last night, as we discussed, and there's our friend's chris alias christine and uh tracy and tracy's daughter taylor they pretty much run things over at the rover these days and they do a great job they had a real nice crowd over there for the ugly sweater contest i had my rolling stones tongue sweater on a lot of people love that but in fact one guy said to me you can't win because that sweater is too damn nice because he's a stones fan too these guys were the winners right here you had the guy with the uh Well, let's say Ah. Snowballs Deep sweater, and you can see the bottom of it. He was happy to be there. Uh, Then we had the lady in the middle. That was Allison, who I talked to a bit. She made that herself. It's got little uh, beer bottle caps on a Christmas tree. She made that herself, and I loved it. And then the guy on the right had some sort of a baby shark wreath. So they were the, the winners last night, and there were a lot of sweaters. And I had a few beers and had a great time talking to Christine and a bunch of other people.
0: You know, Chet, when I saw the picture of the carrot sweater, I I bleached my eyes after that. <laughs> I posted the one of the two guys with the same sweat. It was kind of strange. but It, it, it was definitely strange. I had to bleach my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Ugly sweater day tomorrow, Bill. Go get uh, one. All right. I hear you. Anything else for you before we wrap it up, sir? Uh, well, I wanted to give you thirty
1: seconds to lament the firing of Urban Meyer. I know you were a huge fan. And you feel very badly for him. So
0: go. Well, you know what? It couldn't have happened to a better guy. Uh, I gave him my thirty seconds earlier when I got off work. Uh, there's no, there's no need for any other thirty seconds, and we'll just leave it at that. Goodbye, yeah, in that case. Goodbye, Herb. Take your wrap money and get the heck out of here. <laughs> All right. Let's thank tonight's special guest, Joe Watson. Our sponsors, the Irish Rover Station House, Bob Sutleman's Like Your Age.com, PPCC 118 Razroom, and Dave LaVoy of All State Insurance in Westchester, PA. For Jim Chesko, this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show and we'll join Philly Press Box Radio next week. We'll just call it next week till we figure it out. All right. You can see us live on Facebook. Listen through our website, Philly or blogtalkradio.com slash Philly Radio on Google Podcasts as well as Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio and all the others. With that chat, high hopes Philadelphia sports fan and go birds. Let's do
1: the song. Come on. <laughs>